darkness. I want to preach to you from this title, In the Limelight. In the Limelight. Can you help pray with me so God speaks through me, uses me as a vessel. Lord, this morning, we want to hear your word, Jesus. Lord, we want to so, Lord, we want to hear your word to us this morning, God. Lord, we want to seek you further, God. Use me this morning, God. Touch my lips, God, that your people may hear your word, God. In this moment, Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. The word limelight, um, I heard it recently, and it struck me. Um, the, the word really um, refers to back in the 1820s, uh, there was an inventor or a chemist, uh, a Scottish chemist named Thomas Drummond. He invented the first uh, bright light or a tool to shine something upon a stage. Uh, and the way this light was created, uh, it was because it produced a flame that was uh, produced by burning a mixture of oxygen and hydrogen gases that were directed onto a small cylinder made of lime. Not a lemon lime, but limestone. So the, the two, the oxygen and the hydrogen, were mixed together. They were burned and they were shined onto a lime, a uh, piece of stone. And that, with the cylindrical um, apparatus, shined onto the stage. And the limelight is referred to in the uh, theater world as being in the spotlight, being in the center of attention, being the one that you are shined on. In this day and age, there are a lot of things in this world that want to take the limelight. There are many things in this world that want to take the attention that want to take your view, that want to take your time. There are a lot of things. We can go on and on about television. We can go on and on about friendships that perhaps aren't adding to your benefit and adding to the kingdom of God, but they are in your limelight because they're trying to take your attention. But spiritually, we need to be putting Jesus in the limelight. We need to be putting Jesus in the center of our attention, especially now more today than ever before. I mean, we are inundated, bombarded, really, every single day about terrible news, everything that's going wrong with this world, from the economy to the health to business to schools to kids. Everywhere you look, someone is saying something negative about this world. But are you surprised? The Word of God tells us it was going to be so. And it will be so, right? When we allow him to illuminate in our lives, and when we allow Jesus to become the center of our lives, we get to experience a couple of things. We get to experience love, we get to experience grace, and we get to experience power. I want to talk to you today about those three things. And hopefully we can understand what happens also when we don't have Jesus 
in the limelight, when we don't have them as a center of attention in our lives. So if you turn to, with me to 1 John 4.16, When we put Jesus in the limelight, we get to experience his love in a new way. 1 John 4.16 says, And we have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, if you recall the verse that we started and opened this message with, it talked about in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. That was the first thing that God did. But the earth was without form. It was messy. It was dark. It was emptiness. And then God created light. If we look at our lives, before we met Jesus, who is our light, who is our Savior, we were empty. We were void. We were filled with darkness. But then God said, you need a light. You need somebody to guide you through this world. You need somebody to show you how to walk. Walk like me. And then we experience his beginning of love. When we put Jesus in the limelight, we're allowing his love to fill our hearts. When we put Jesus in our lives, we allow other people to experience his love. Through you, you get to experience that love. I'll give you a brief um, testimony, if you will. You all know my daughter, Evelyn. She's a miracle baby. But I don't want to talk just about her miracle just yet. I want to talk about everything that I've experienced up until this moment. And perhaps I'm walking backwards because this week, I apologize if I wasn't here Thursday or Saturday, but I was visiting my brother in Michigan to the very first church where I heard the truth, where it was spoken to me, where it was revealed to me that we were be baptized in Jesus' name, we were to receive the Holy Ghost, and that was the way to salvation. It was their 25th anniversary. They were celebrating. It was, uh, they call it a meeting, uh, Thursday and Friday, several services, about 220 people. Every service just filled with joy. Every service was a blessing. But what I got to experience was a little bit different than perhaps what somebody that was there got to experience. Because I'm not a member of that church. But every single time that I ran into somebody, somehow, and I apologize if this gets emotional, somehow they knew what I had gone through. They reached out and they shook my hand and they asked, how's baby Evelyn doing? I never met that person. But somehow there is a body of Christ that is also praying, that is also thinking about the burdens that are on our way. Why? Because we're all connected. We're all the body of Christ. I may be the ear. They may be the thumb. They may be the hand. But somehow we all have Jesus right in the center of our limelight. Somehow we all know that we preach and we worship a God that is right there for us. I got to experience some of that love. Somebody else would walk up to me and shake my hand, and I'd just greet them. I was happy to be there. And they'd be like, how's baby Evelyn? And, I, and it would kind of shock me, and I would want to ask them, how do you know? 
And sure enough, I'm sure my brother, his church, and everybody else pray, but it spills over. It continues to cascade over and over again. I want to recommend something to you. If you feel something in your heart for somebody, just pray for them. It works. I know they were praying. I know this church was praying. Everybody that I did not know prayed in their own time. They didn't get to experience my troubles. They didn't get to experience the things that I went through. But when I gave them a good report, when I told them how good she was doing, when I showed them the picture, guess what? They started to experience that love as well. They started to rejoice as well. We both knew what we were talking about. It's not that we had doubts. It's, we're human beings. It's okay to have doubts. You're not an evil person because sometimes you think bad things are going to happen. Guess what? That's called life. But if we rely on God, if we lean on him, if he's center of what we are looking at, everything else can become noise. Amen? We look at Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Because the next thing that we experience when God is in our limelight, is in our center of attention, is we get to experience his grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace ye are ye saved. It is a gift of God. What comparison to what God did bringing her into this world at 23 weeks and forming and continuing to form her outside the womb. Something that is in, says, I, his grace has been upon me and my family. Isn't God good? I'm sure God's grace has been upon you. Good. Saying, you're alive today. You're with me. I'm with you. Sometimes I'm the first one to hear these words. It hits hard. Because sometimes it's a realignment of my thought. And God is speaking directly into my heart. And I hope that this morning you feel him speaking to yours. One of the things that was said in this camp meeting or in this celebration was all the hard work that the uh, church there did. And they celebrated the 25 years. And then there was someone else that came up to me, a good friend of mine that I hadn't seen for fifth half mine, we're in separate states. But when we got to see each other, one, but guess what? I didn't know that he went through the exact same thing I did. His son was born at 23 weeks. When I talked to him, we were talking, and I said, hey, uh, your cousin mentioned to me that you went through the same thing that I went through, and we went back and forth. And he said, yeah, meet my son, Carter. He's four years old. He walked up to me, and it felt like God was telling me, this is what's in store for you. This is what you're going to see in the future. And the heartache and the pain that he had gone through, God's grace is a gift to you. This is a gift from me in the center of our lives. The worries begin to fade. The noise of this world begin. I didn't think about the economy this weekend. I didn't think about, think of any of those things. I was just rejoicing with my brothers and sister in another church. I was rejoicing with someone who had gone through the same thing. I could relate. 
And perhaps you can relate with me as I share this testimony. When we put Jesus in the center of our lives, we're allowing for his power. I have limited God. I have stood in the way. I haven't allowed him to fully demonstrate perhaps because I haven't seen it with my eyes who I am. I'm being honest with you. For God to just open my eyes and say, here. It's my power. It's my strength. You can stand aside and you can, you can worship in time. It's what I'm going to do, power. Amen. That's what happens when we put him in the center of attention. In Philip, it says, You should be both not as really But it's still saying, you know, like what the center for other things feel the mimic what fake there will always be a fake to that item it's almost like the real deal almost is the key word it won't get it done under the right circumstances, let's take a watch for example. Under the right circumstances, from afar, it looks exactly the same thing. But as you get closer to it, as you start to inspect it, as just you start to rely on it, it's not going to do the job. When you rely on Jesus, you can depend on him. When you rely on Jesus, you can count on him. He will pull through to you. Why? Because his word has said it. Why? Because everything we do through Christ. Amen. But when you start to rely on the things that are almost like Jesus, where the truth is twisted in a way that makes you feel good, but isn't helping you get closer to heaven, what good does that do me? I don't want to feel good. Sometimes I've heard someone say this, the truth hurts, but the truth is what you need to hear. The truth will get you to heaven. I want a pastor in a church that will preach the truth, even though it hurts, and it hurts when I hear it sometimes. I still need to hear it because I want to go to, uh, to heaven. Amen. But that's what happens when we remove our gaze from Jesus. We lose sight of things, and we start to feel a void inside of us. When we remove our gaze from Jesus, we start to experience darkness. I've felt darkness before. I've felt oppression before. I've felt depression before. I've felt there has been times where I've been in bed two or three in the morning, and all of a sudden there is a tense oppression. There is a darkness it's real. It fights against us. But as I've stated before, the only reason the enemy's going after you is because there's something big for you. There's something that God has planned for you. Psalms 23.4 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. Can you say with me, I will fear no evil. When you remove God from the equation, darkness approaches immediately. 
and it's subtle. You won't notice it. Something's off. Your, 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 your spirit, God, is telling you something is not right. And it's subtle and it creeps up on you, but all of a sudden it tries to get a grasp of you. I'm telling you right now, you shout, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want Jesus' name. Break chains, break bounds, and he will deliver you. When we allow Jesus to be in the limelight, we allow his light to shine in our lives. When we remove Jesus from the limelight, when we remove him from the center of our attention, we miss out on the spirit of God. In Acts 1.8, it says, but ye shall receive, can you say, power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You can't just get power without God. You can't get power if you don't have the Holy Ghost you are just a human being. I'm just a human being. I am limited, but God is unlimited. Anything that seems impossible seems possible. And I don't want to be redundant, but he, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've read it in the Bible as well. But if you remove Jesus from the equation, you remove him from your life, you start to limit yourself. There are things that you can do because God allows it to be, because God has a purpose and his will be done. But if you allow Jesus, if you allow God and you allow his spirit to live in you, only God knows what he can do with your life. When we put Jesus in the limelight, we're allowing him and empowering him to do work through us. If I can have the worship team come up, please. <clears throat> I don't want to be in a position where God is not in the center of my life. Not after everything he has done for me. But let me tell you something. I'm not sticking around just because of what Jesus has done for me. I'm not sticking around just because of how good he's been to me. And I don't deserve it. I don't. I've failed at things. I've fallen. I've been broken. But I'm not sticking around just because he has given me something. I'm sticking around because I want to be able to see his face. I want to be able to hear him tell me, my good and faithful servant. I want to make sure that from now until the time he comes or until the time he says it is time, I want him to be at the center of my life. And if he hasn't been at the center of my life, and if I hadn't made it a priority for him to be, I will start to do so today. That's the great thing about his grace and his love is that he says, it's okay that you've failed. It's okay that you've made a mistake. But like any father to his child, he takes him with open arms and he tells him, today's a new day. It happens with my daughters sometimes and perhaps more often than it shouldn't. But they make mistakes. And I get angry and I said, why did you do that? And my wife looks at me and says, why do you think? They're kids. They're just like you.
It's true. Truth hurts, right? And I reflect upon myself, and I get to a position that I know they didn't mean harm, but they made a mistake, but they need to learn, right? We need to be mindful that the future that lies with them is because of the input that God is allowing us to put in them. And I still tell them, and I'll show them how to do it, and I'll tell them, hey, this is what you do next time. And I guide them through, and I pull them this way, and I tug their ear a little bit, and I say, hey, you need to pay attention next time. But guess what? Daddy still loves you. I still love you. It's okay. You're learning. So when we make a mistake in our lives, in our walk with God, because we will. I don't wish it upon anybody, but guess what? We're human beings. God still says, I'm here, my son. I'm here, my daughter. I'm still knocking at your door. But he is, respectfully so, a gentleman. He will not walk into your life if you don't allow him to. He respects your boundary. He respects your privacy. But he does want to be the center of your life. He wants to be the foundation. He wants to be the rock. And I can give you analogy after analogy, but if, I, if you can take one thing from today, allow him to be the center of your limelight. Allow him, just like the limelight, it takes oxygen, hydrogen, and burning to create something beautiful. It will take God molding you, putting you through fire sometimes, taking you through the valley of death. But guess what? His hand is with you. His love, his grace is with you. If you stand with me this morning, I want to tell you that Jesus is our light. Psalms 18:28, I'll read a couple of these. For it is you who my for it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen. Micah 7:8 says, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. 1 John 1:5. Can I tell you today, if you need words of encouragement, they're in this book. If you need words to tell you, they're in this book. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. There is no void. There is no emptiness. He will fill every hole left because of a broken relationship. He will fill every mistake. He will bind every enemy against you. He will make you whole again. Most importantly, God has called you and me out of darkness. Isaiah 9-2, and I'll close with this. The people who walked in darkness have seen the great light. Those who've dwelt in the land of the deep of the darkness, and them have, have light shined. I'm thankful that I stepped into a church a long time ago, and they didn't care about my feelings. They cared about my soul. They cared about that I was going to be saved. The preacher preached the truth. We have a pastor in this church. He preaches truth. We have ministers in this church. They preach truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, but let me tell you, they love you. They have a love 
for your soul. They want you to be saved. So let's keep Jesus in our limelight. Thank you, God. Let's worship. He goes before me. Defender behind me. Come on, say, I won't fear. No, I won't fear. I won't fear. Come on, say, I'm filled with anointing. I'm filled with anointing. 